This conversation is brought to you in part by Splendid by Porvenir. With promotional consideration from Volcano Produce. Hey, everybody. How the hell are you doing? I hope you're doing well. You know, I say this every time we start one of these shows. You know, that's my wish for you every day, that everybody's doing well, having a good day on your path in life and making good choices and good decisions. But more importantly, you're inspiring people along the way and uplifting because that is how we're going to win the day, kids. I am thrilled to have you join us today. I'm thrilled to have my guests here today. I just, I just one of my favorite people on the planet. He has got a heart of gold. He is just, just a genuine gentleman. And uh, no more introduction. That's strong enough. I think that's pretty key. I mean, that's pretty. I'm like I'm hugging you through the Zoom screen, baby. That's what I'm doing. Please, everybody, put your hands together. Whatever you're doing, take a moment to pause. Hang out with us today because our guest is going to have. We're going to have a great conversation. Please, everybody, welcome the CEO, all around great guy from Homegrown Organic Farms. Please welcome my friend Scott Mabs, my brother. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. No, glad to be here. I know we've been talking about doing this for a little while and uh, excited to actually have uh, have this happening. So yeah, glad to be doing me, it. Me too, man. I, I'm such a big fan of yours. I'm such a big fan of what you guys are about. Um, your impact on this industry to be able to see what you've done, uh, not only in the organic space, but the industry is itself. You lead with integrity. You've got a company that uh, is, is one that if people don't know, you need to get to know these folks and what they believe in and why they believe in it. We're going to touch on a bunch of that today. But yeah, truly, my brother, it's an honor to have you here. I'm super, super excited. Like I do with all my guests, if you wouldn't mind, just give everybody a quick little 411 of who the hell you are. Because I would read your bio, but you know, you don't want to hear from me. They want to hear from you. <laughs> you bet. You bet. Uh, no, I can give you a little bit. So uh, I'll go back. It's kind of important that I do start back when I was a kid and you 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 kind of look at, okay, you know, how far back do you want to go? But um, I'm a you know third generation grower. Uh, my dad, my grandfathers were all growers, mostly citrus. I grew up in the valley here in the San Joaquin Valley, little town called Ducor, a couple hundred people. Um, it was uh, elementary uh, school there was about uh, 80 kids in total. And uh, so, you know, grew up in a wonderful way. I mean, my, you know, out uh, um, on the ranch, uh, you know, enjoying that reality of things. Um, went away to college. Um, and uh, while I was away at college, the, the, um, the farm went under um, and uh, ended up going bankrupt. My dad had to sell everything. Um, and it was really due back into the, if you remember the 90 freeze and the 90 yeah. freeze, um, those were, those were two freezes that were, uh, uh, markers in the citrus industry here in the Valley. And, um, I remember going out and seeing, uh, tree trunks split right down the middle, um, due to the, the freeze and, and, uh, a sad time, um, you know, for, uh, for, for the family, but also, uh, you know, there's always things always work out for reasons. And it was uh, it was interesting to watch my dad have to walk through that and to deal with that and how he did that with such integrity and mm -hmm. dealt with it in such a good way. And I was thinking I was going to a small private college uh, back then. I'm like, why didn't they pull me out of college? They should have pulled me out of co college because they probably didn't they want bankrupt. you home. You know, and they were paying for my college, and the, but they never mentioned it. And they had me finish school and do all of that. And I was just so grateful for, for that type of deal. But had that history um, actually decided that, you know, when I was growing up, what I knew of farming was hoeing weeds in 100 degree weather. Right. Um, you know, just just not very fun <laughs> experiences. 
And um, really never learned the business side of it. So when I graduated from college with a biology degree, I was married right after that. And we moved back to Indiana, where, she, where my wife, Christy, is from. And uh, we spent about five years back there, got involved in an um, instrumentation company, totally unrelated to produce. I didn't want to be anywhere near ag uh, just because of the experiences that I had had growing up. And I um, came to realize um, that uh, there was kind of a, a whole separate business education at this company. And it was a, a really neat company to work for. They were an international company um, and uh, based out of Germany um, and uh, really got a nice business education there. And then um, at that point, uh, Christy and I, we were travel. I was traveling with work a lot um, mm -hmm. and we had a couple little kids at home and it was like, okay, we don't, we don't want this to be the reality of our family life long-term. Um, and so we started looking at other options and uh, that's when we ended up moving back to the Valley here. And I uh, had my first job with California Citrus Mutual, which is a grower association. Yeah. Uh, and uh, got back into the, involved in the industry. And at that point I had a little more understanding of what business is about. Um, and then also had Citrus Mutual was a great role to understand the industry as a whole. Um, it's like, you know, you work for those grower associations and you you see the industry as a whole and you see what it's do, dealing with and going through um, and uh, really kind of set my foundation for uh, getting into the ag industry and, and being a part of that. I came on board with Homegrown, uh, used to be called Sierra Heights Marketing when it was when I came on board. Um, and, uh, that was back about 14 years ago yeah. um, that, uh, came on board as the director of sales and marketing. Um, and then after, uh, about five years, I moved into the CEO position, um, into that role and, and, uh, but it's been a great, I mean, one of the, um, I'll mention this some more, but one of the greatest things about coming to work for homegrown originally was, uh, the ownership. Um, John and Cindy France and Tom and Karen Avanillas were just great people. And yeah, um, uh, we'll expand on that a little more later on. But um, yeah, so that's a little bit of my bio and background. And um, yeah, I have four kids, been married, uh, I think 27 years, something to that. You think, you think, great. You just said that in front of 71 countries listening to this show. You just said, I think. Good luck. Well, you know. Well, yeah, right. Hey, I have a wonderful the sofa's, life. The, the sofa's quite comfortable, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I love it. Well, you know, I, I got to come back around what you said really quick, you know, talking about what your, what your folks went through, right? And the fact that it was this path of integrity, right? And, and you know, I say it all the time, we're on a path. We don't know where our path is taking. It's our choice to make left turn, right turn, up, down, whatever the case may be. But, you know, you're, you stay committed to it. You stay on it. You stay focused and this and that. And to hear the story about your dad and how he led with integrity was something like that kept it from you right or wrong decision or not, but wanted you to finish school, how important that was. I'm sure, and, and at the age that you were, that had to be I'm probably a heck of a lot more impactful than if you would have been seven or eight years old. Yeah. Um, because you you kind of started walking that path through osmosis in some ways, right? At the, towards the latter part of that walk for them. And then to see yourself in that position. And then fast forward a little bit about who you associate with now. And quite frankly, your leadership team, your ownership group at Homegrown, I, I mean, lead with integrity with everything they do. You know, the Francis have been around a long time. I've had a great pleasure of getting to know them a touch and, and they're wonderful people. And so yeah. strong backbones is a big thing. And I think you learned that from your old man and what he had to go through. And now I think you probably carry that. It seems like you carry that based upon your personality and how you run the company forward. And I think it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, um, 
a lot of a lot of things in life that you don't have control over right you know a lot of circumstances but you always have control over how you respond and uh so how you respond to something is under your control there's a lot of things that you're not going to be able to stop or or change but um the the response is so critical and uh that's uh, yeah yeah 100 well talk to me a little bit give everybody if you wouldn't mind just tell everybody a little bit that doesn't know uh what homegrown farms is yeah yeah, so Homegrown Organic Farms, uh, by itself, we are just a sales and marketing company that represents growers into the marketplace. So we'll sell to whatever retailers nationwide and into Canada. Uh, we do a little bit of export, but it's mostly domestic North America focused. Um, and uh, we handle main crop types that we handle are citrus, uh, berries. Uh, we do a, a, a tree fruit program, so your peaches, plums, nectarines, apricots, and then we also do some fall fruit along with that, like kiwis and pomegranates, persimmons. Um, and then we also have a, a grape program that we handle. So um, our, uh, you know, the we have a couple of uh, packing operations. Um, we uh, Part of it is that we are not just homegrown organic farms. We're part of something uh, larger than that. Um, AgriVision uh, is the name of our umbrella company, I like to term it as, um, and uh, AgriVision is, um, uh, in, is involved, AgriCare is a part of that, AgriCare is a farm management company, so AgriCare would be the farming end of what we do. Um, so we have a lot of ranches that are uh, um, uh, farmed by us, you know, they're either, we either have partners on them or they're owned by us. Um, that are what we go out and market into the market's pay, marketplace. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now, a word from our sponsor. Splendid by Porvenir has long been recognized in the fruit and vegetable industry for its quality, volume, availability, and timely distribution. Did we mention that we have the best mangoes on the planet? Our decades of experience in providing a wide range of superior products throughout the year gives our customers and retailers alike confidence in splendid products to deliver excellence 100% of the time. When only the best should be on your table, trust Splendid's commitment to exceeding your expectations. We are the best because we do it right. Yeah, the, the mothership's real. Yeah, exactly. So and, and doing um, big and doing some big things, which I want to talk about a little bit too. I mean, they're doing some cool stuff. Yeah. So and um, part of what uh, homegrown organic farms too uh, we moved into just a couple of years ago is we became an ESOP um, as an employee uh, stock ownership uh, plan. So we're we're 100 ESOP now. So the owners, uh, John and Cindy France, Tom and Karen Avanellis. Uh, sold the company to the employees, um, sold AgriVision as a whole. So the packing operations, the farming operations, the, the sales and marketing and all those different pieces um, are a, um, a part of that ESOP now. So we have uh, irrigators that are part of the ESOP. We have, you know, the, 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 the packing supervisors and the, the cold storage people, all the, all the different team members it takes uh, to make all of this happen every day. Um, are now have all employee ownership. And uh, that's impressive. So we're, yeah, we're, we're excited about that. That's a new endeavor for us. And we're learning a lot as we go along um, in what that means and how. Um, but, 
you know, the employee, the team members are excited about it. And, uh, you know, it's a, a great opportunity for them really for, for, uh, for no cost to the, to the, to the team member. It's just, uh, yeah. you know, really given to them from a, uh, from the ownership. It's pretty. I love it. Why did it matter? I mean, what was the, what was the impetus of, of making that decision? Cause that's a big decision and ESOPs are challenging for businesses yeah. to run. They don't all work. Right. And, and it's no. uh it's it is it is in some ways it's like business cat herding in some in some aspects. So why did it matter? I mean, what was the, what was the impetus for that decision? Yeah, the 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 big piece was is that this was probably going about eight or nine years ago. Um, we set up a board for Agrivision, so a board of directors. So instead of just being Tom and Karen and John and Cindy, uh, the ownership felt that you know this is be good for us to put a board in place, and the, their their whole point of that was. Um, to make this more than just the Francis and Abanelis's over the long term. Um, how does this go beyond just John and Tom um, and what that looks like and, and look at this more from a generational standpoint and those types of things. And so that was the actual beginning thoughts, um, mm-hmm. but didn't have any idea about, okay, well, let's make this an ESOP. It was more, but how do we, how do we create something here that has longevity to it? Um, and so that that board was put in place. Um, we went down that path. And then as as uh, the Francis and Abanillis started to look at, OK, how are we going to um, uh, create an exit plan? You know, now we've you know, there were, you know, offers on the table like there has been for a whole mit- lots of ag companies to, to sell out to, you know, uh, some large capital firm or, or different opportunities that way. Um, but we also recognize that we really valued um, kind of our culture and who we are um, and the ownership really valued that um, in that we would not um, we would not give that away. Um, yeah. And um, and so that was where, OK, how do we do that? How do we not give that away, but allow the ownership to have an exit plan in place? And um, as we went through that process, the ESOP, you know, rose to the top as far as being the, the, the best way forward in that. Um, like you said, Todd, there are there challenges with ESOPs? Oh yes, most definitely there are. And, and um, we're, uh, we're continuing to work through that um, and, and learn those challenges as we go to a certain extent, but, sure. but it's been a good experience so far. I mean, it, there's, um, uh, it's, a, uh, it's, it's, it's exciting to be able to um, provide that type of additional benefit potential benefit um, to the people that, that, you know, come here every day and, and put their heart and soul into it each and every day. I love it, man. Well, you know, you made a great point. You sell a company and your culture doesn't necessarily follow that sale. And if you've created something good, it, I mean, it had to be incredibly motivating for everybody top to bottom to be a part of something, to wake up every day and say, I've got skin in the game. I'm just not punching a time clock any longer. Everything I do benefits my family in such a greater way because I am, I'm at the table now and have an opportunity to build something. I mean, it's, that's a powerful thing to do. It really is. And it, to your point, it, it is a challenge though. I mean, it's got its ups and downs, but people kind of get into it and, and it is motivating. There's no doubt. Well, and, and it comes to the point of, you know, we want people here that are willing to take that challenge and say, Hey, we're going to get up and we're going to really work hard at this. We know in business, even though you work really hard, it doesn't always translate into success. No, I, you know, that's that's the, the game of business. Right. I mean, you, you can work really hard and have failure. Um, and um, and so I think there's also that recognition that people have to have to accept that and say, you know what, I'm going to 
I'm going to work hard, but for the chance of success, but it's not guaranteed either. Oh, uh, yeah. So I love it. Well, you know, I, I want to kind of back up a little bit and talk about the business itself, because one of the things that that I am really concerned about in today's agriculture world is the small to medium sized farmer, especially in the organic sector. I think that I think that the world is changing incredibly fast. I'm not necessarily sure everybody has their eye on the ball on what it may look like, what things are going to start to look like. But to my eyes and what I do from my perspective, it certainly is an area that I keep trying to elevate a little bit. And when I look at what you all do, you represent over 100 farms inside your portfolio. You've got more than 7,000 acres. So I went to public high school and I had to actually stop and think about this for a second. But the quick math tells me the family farms are pretty much at the core, right, of what you all do. And so I did some digging when I realized that. And I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really know that. I didn't know that there was that many, you know, family farms working with you all. So it got me in a brain, you know, brain turn a little bit. And one of the things I did, I, I found some stats in the USD. I thought this was really interesting. It was back in 2020. So it is what it is. It's probably changed a little bit, but 51% of all the farms in this country had less than $10,000 in sales. 81% of all the farms had less than $100,000 in sales, and only 7.4% of the farms had sales of $500,000 or more. Yeah. Fascinating to me yeah, to hear those. It's a fascinating statistic. So my question based upon that and kind of framing this up a little bit with what you all do is, why do we need to protect and support and really drive awareness, do you think, in the conversation around what's happening, which is the decline of family farms in America? Yeah. That's a big subject. There's um, because it's 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 difficult. I mean, you even look at I mean, as as we've been involved, as I've been here for the last 14 years, I've I see it changing before my eyes um, where um, the, there's less and less family farms. There, there's growers deciding to sell out. And who's buying those acreages? Well, it's it's not another family. Uh, mm -hmm. Most often it's a oh. capital, some sort of capital firm. And we work with capital firms and they're not all bad. No. Um, but but it's a, the you know, it it is so expensive now to be a grower. That's one of the major issues. I mean, to, to get into it and to be a to be a grower, to have the family farm, you really have to have something that's unique. You have to have something that sets you apart um, and and uh, really know who you are and what you do. And do it extremely well uh, because the the realities of scale um, and what scale you know the fact that scale is being more and more a requirement of farming um, mm -hmm. has created um, a, a really hard situation. I mean, our my family um, has uh, acreage associated to it. There's a you know has about uh, 500 acres or so that are associated to to my family personally. Um, and um, it's, uh, you know, some of it we market and homegrown, other, other is even there's some conventional involved. It's a kind of a large family. And so there's a lot of different, um, uh, different pieces associated to it. Uh, but um, that family farm, uh, you know, has been, you know, my, my grandpa Patterson started that and he grew it when, you know, from uh, being just 20 acres in the first purchase to, you know, being up towards a 500 acres. Um, but even at 500 acres, uh, you're, you're still struggling with some of the scale realities. I mean, it, it's just a, it's getting harder and harder. And we're as homegrown, we hope to be a place. We've tried to be a place where a family farm can come and, and, and be taken care of, yeah. um, you know, from a transparency standpoint, giving them 
uh, real information to make decisions off of, uh, but then also uh, providing, a, um, you know, helping them compete in the marketplace uh, by, we've always talked about our growers are our rock stars. Uh, we, we try to, we try to, uh, promote them. We, you know, we just came out with that uh, grown by series, um, and that that's the whole point. That's the, those are family farmers. Those are those are people that, if you understand what's happening there at the farm and you you understand their story, there's value associated to their fruit because of that. It's yeah. it's it's um, and trying to get people. And I know the consumer wants that. The consumer likes that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some hurdles, you know, in regards to helping the consumer um, uh, um, access that information. Uh, you know, we, you know, from a, there's and the fact that there's just so much information, right? I mean, the the age of information is there's just so much overwhelming consumers that you know you 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 have to figure out how you can plow through all that and actually get to the consumer. Hundred percent, and and you know, look, you you said it eloquently. Family farms matter. We have to make family farms matter. They're the backbone of what we do. I mean, you take a look at, you know, 81% of the farms in this country doing less than 100 grand, but do the math. That's a lot of money when you do the math all in. I can't, that's way too big math for my public high school <laughs> education. I'll defer to that because I'm sure I'll have to you know, take a shoe off or something to help me count. But one of the problems that I think that we have and what we're facing today is that food, the conversation around food has become too easy in this country. We don't value food like we should in this country. We don't appreciate food in this country. Our expectations are it better be at the grocery store. I mean, we saw that with the COVID pandemic. It's not COVID anymore, by the way. We're calling it COVID. We're trying to make it a little sexier. Um, But, you know, we lost our minds. We couldn't find toilet paper. Yeah. Right. And because it's what do you mean? And I find that to be one of the most dangerous narratives that's out there because we don't have a conversation really very strong in this country about why we should be appreciating food, why should we be appreciating family farms, why it matters. Um, and I think it's really dangerous that we don't have that. And it's why I think in my mind, something that I really believe in is, is taking that message downstream into the schools and working with the next generation of young kids about how to eat better and make those choices. But I firmly believe if we can convince young children how to eat better, we can change a lot in this planet really fast from healthcare to climate, to all kinds of issues. But we've got to value food. And, and, I, and, and, I, and it's not a conversation. And it's not from the narrative of I don't have any money for food. I understand that's a whole separate that's a whole separate symptom to this problem. But but when you go into the neighborhoods and there is no fruits and vegetables in the bodega. Right. And it's it's you know, it's monster energy drinks and a bag of chips. That's not valuing food, right? That's not helping anybody win the day. So well, I say, part of, I think to Todd, part of the the whole impetus of of organic was that, right? Or is that? It's it's the fact that that we need to understand our food more. We need to understand the fact that how this is grown does matter, and and that's the foundational aspect of of you know that's how organic started. I mean, mm-hmm. back, you know, and, and from the beginning and, and I, I think is still a part of um, what the organic movement has all been about. It's helping people drive, helping people understand the value of that fruit or that vegetable. Um, and that it's not just an, an item or a skew. Um, there is so much behind what that, what that is um, from the nutritional aspect of it to how it's impacting our earth, 
to how it's impacting the people that are involved in in developing it and that's where i think all of those those continuing to help people understand that at a much deeper level that's that was the foundation of organic that, that yeah. you know and it it wasn't just don't spray the you know don't spray with your pesticide uh, your your synthetic pesticide it was more of it was it was a much bigger holistic picture than that 100%. You know, I go back and thinking about what it was back, you know, back before electricity and we had draft horses plowing the fields right back in my beginning of my career. But you're 100% right. And it was an alternative to what was being presented. And if you think back 40 years ago, you take a look at the history of, of regulations and this and that. You could spray a lot of crap 40 years ago on the earth. <laughs> you could do a lot of really bad stuff that you can't do today, but you could back then. And so that movement was like, again, the alternative to what the best option is. And I think that a lot of times when it comes to our food in this country, we are sheeps, you know, looking for a shepherd in a lot of ways. We're just led to the trough, but we're not thinking about what's in the trough. And I think we're getting better at that now. I think we're pulling, the industry has done a good job of elevating that conversation. Um but I still believe we've got a lot of work left to do to, to pick up the next generations to get them to understand what the real value of food is. Again, it's not about that bodega trip. So give me, wave your magic wand, brother. Come on, I'll give you a moment right here in the spotlight. Tell me, you know, tell me how, we, how do we do it? How do we teach people the power of agriculture and, and really the value of food? Well, I think that a lot of, I mean, that's why we're doing what we're doing right now. I yeah, mean, good it, point. It's, it's, it's the organic messaging um, we'll, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about EFI and what we're doing. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll through that. We have this regenerative organic program that we're starting up. Um, we, you know, all of these things um, play into helping consumers understand the value of fruit, the value of produce um, in a in a in a much deeper way. And and I don't think it's 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 not necessarily just one thing, right? Um, I think it's 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 a whole lot of things that are happening and are are I think making making an impact. I mean, what we look like thirty years, you know, what we looked like in nineteen ninety or nineteen eighty, is totally different than what we look like today. And there was and, no you know, looking at anything back then. There was nothing on the shelves back then. It was a no, lot. Of and, work. And, it was a lot know, of work. And I grew up with that. I mean, I grew up on the farm. You know, spraying, spraying paraquat, you know, you know, yeah. out, you know, um, you know, I'll share this. My, my dad, uh, um, my dad has Parkinson's today. Um, you know, why does he have that? I don't know. We don't know. But I also know that there was a lot of spraying going on back then with a lot of really harsh chemicals um, that, uh, that um, doing things that, you know, he shouldn't have been doing. And um, it's just, it's a sad reality, but, but um, yeah, that's a, that is the reality. Right. And you can find DDT, DDE in the soils out here in the Valley. It still exists, right? It doesn't go away. And, and, you know, and, and again, I think that's to your point, you know, we were the alternative to all that. And I think that, but I also think that there's an obligation that we need from the retail sector as well. And they have, a, they walk a hard line because they've got 500 items they're selling that are shitty for you. Right. Yeah. But that's part of the business model. And it's not, you know, but you, and that makes it really, really hard too, because again, it goes back to that value proposition. We have a tendency to really want food cheap and cheap has a hidden cost. And we're paying for that in a lot of ways, whether it's our climate, whether it's our health, whether it's our groundwater, whether it's a lot of things. Yeah. And so I think it's got to be this collective effort that we've got to come to recognize the value that food has and, and about being food secure, right? Because, you know, you can have the biggest military in the world, but if you are food insecure, 
you're screwed. Yeah, it's not going <laughs> to work out well. It ain't going to pencil really well. So I think those are really, really you know, important things to talk about. And I want to get into what you guys are doing with the Equitable Food Initiative, because I think this is to your point. This is These are some of these big lifting things that need to be happening, that companies need to be looking at, um, that I think raises the bar, that opens consumers' eyes a little bit, that helps tell a story, that helps drive value into uh, our food. And I think it's just, I think it's incredibly important that these conversations continue to have. I know this platform, you know, I'm not going to stop having these conversations till I stop, you know, till they kick me off or whatever, the, whatever, wherever this, you know, leads us. But because I think it's so incredibly important, we have to keep talking about it. So talk to me a little bit about the uh, equitable food initiative. Hey, you know, let's give you a kind of a two-part question and just let you run with it. Hey, what is it for everybody? So you can get them up to speed, but talk about why it matters and why it mattered to you all. Yeah, I can. I can first. So the Equitable Food Initiative, uh, EFI, um, is a program. It's really. It's. It's kind of. I put it in two parts. It's a management philosophy, and it's a. It's a. Um, a, a farm worker or a, a employee benefit program. Okay, so it's really. I see it in two. Two specific parts. The foundation of of the deal is. Is it a lot of times within the farming arena and what we do every day? You have management sitting in the office, um, you know, or, or sitting in their truck driving around um, and looking at how to, you know, how to best maximize the crop and do all those types of things. Um, and then you have um, all the, the, the people that are conducting the, the, the work, everything that needs to get done out there. And a lot of times there's a fairly big disconnect between those, those layers. Um, there's um, the, the engagement between those layers is 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 minimal. Um, it's more like, you know, you go out there and, you know, I need you to prune these trees. Here's how to do it. Um, make sure you do it right. And, and that's that's the conversation. Um, the Equitable Food Initiative was based in the idea around honestly around food safety. Right. Because when you when you have people all the way through the system that truly care and understand and are educated, they get it in um, why food safety is important um, or why it's, you know, why employee safety is important. Um, and there is a, the walls or the, 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 the gap between manager um, management and, and person doing the work in the field is closed. Right. And that comes together. And the, how is that done? It's done through trainings. Um, it's done through uh, working sessions with them. Um, it's done through um, all sorts of things that EFI sets up within the management philosophy of how these things are to be done. Um, and that's so that's kind of explains about what it is. It's more of a there's a lot of soft to that, right? It's like, it's like, okay, you know, you're not going to, you know, A plus B plus C equals D. It's not that type of a thinking. It's much more mm -hmm. of how do you, it's more about, it's more like a, a like we run our business here at Homegrown on a certain uh, um, operating system. Like this is how we run Homegrown. Well, it's the same thing. How do you run, how do you run the farm? You know, what does that look like? How do you have meetings? How do you bring people together to find solutions for problems? And rather than that just being a manager doing that off in some office, no, it's coming together with the people and coming to solutions. One, one example we had was uh, one of the guys brought up the fact, um, this was in one of these management meetings, the fact that, hey, one of the problems we have is that whenever um, the guy's getting ready to move the tractor forward, 
during harvest, um, you know what, it's a safety concern because that guy starts to move that tractor and you've got people around the tractor um, that, you know, could very easily get, get ran over, could get a leg underneath the tire, something to that effect. And um, uh, um, one of the guys on the field, they came up with the idea, well, hey, let's just, you know, the guy driving the tractor has a whistle. And when, when he decides to move that tractor forward, he's blowing the whistle. So everyone knows, get out of the way. Um, Those are little things, but they're actually, they're things that matter. They're things that actually make a difference in the field in how things get accomplished and done correctly. Um, And if you don't take time to, to look at things like that and come up with solutions together, you just kind of stay where you're at. And it's and and that's not a good place to be, um, no. you know, continuing to improve it. And so that's EFI from the management philosophy. Then the other side of it is, is that um, retailers that are committed to EFI with our program um, provide a premium on the on the on the product that actually goes back to the farm, the worker, you know. So so those far, those premiums get distributed back um, to the worker and um, the way that we do it, it's, it's done as a bonus program uh, to the workers, the way that we've done it. But you can do it in different. There's flexibility in that, too. Sure. Um, uh, in, in that regard. But that's the way we've structured it right now. So, yeah, we're pretty excited about uh, we our farm management company. Agricare became EFI certified this last year. Um, in all of their operations. And then uh, our Stone Fruit operation is 100% uh, EFI certified. So now between the different growers that are all EFI certified and everything, I think we're up to about 60% of our entire operation being EFI certified, which is a really exciting number. Um, and uh, we're looking to continue to grow that um, to get it get it as high as we can. So I love it. Well, it, it goes back to the ESOP thing, right? It goes back to the fact that you're empowering people throughout the company to have a voice and to be a part of solutions, right? And at the end of the day, you want to talk about valuing food? They value food more than anybody because it's their actual livelihood. Yeah. Your food, the food that you're selling, the food that's going on a pal, the food's going back on the truck, the food's going to end up in, you know, Bumble Fart, wherever it is, is incredibly valuable to everybody that's around Porterville, to everybody in Ducor and everybody in Visalia and everybody that's in your neck of the woods that's working with you all. And I think it's really important that you hold yourself to a level of accountability back to the employees. Because again, I think it drives value back into the food. It's one of these things that we were just talking about. I think it's so important that we continue yeah. to, to move the ball down the field like this. Yeah. we. Um, the other piece, when we started looking at this and deciding, okay, is this a path we want to walk down um, and, and engage with this? Part of it was too, is that one of the hardest things to communicate to a consumer is that, right? Yeah. It's like, how do we help them understand what we're doing? Um, and, and so we were able to, to um, look at this and go, well, okay, a lot of these things we're currently doing, we're already doing because of the way that we've structured things within our organization. Well, why don't we, you know, you know, to get some sort of certification or third party verification that we're doing this um, was a was a benefit to help continue to build value into the fruit that that, uh, you know, is being is is being, uh, you know, sent to the consumer and helping consumers see it in a different way. 100%. Well, look, accountability is really important. Right. And I think accountability is about real food, too. 
Yeah. Right. Making people understand what it is, making people understand that, you know, I, you know, look, everybody loves potato chip. Let's not say we don't. Right. Let's not let's not run from it. Let's not hide from it. But the fact of the matter is you need to understand what it really is. You need to understand its value in the food supply and what it is and how it was created. And we just don't think like that. We really don't. Which is, again, why I go back to what I said earlier. So important that we put energy back into the schools and back into the kids because school, yes. school food matters. Right. And, and those educations need to happen. Yeah. I love how you frame this up. And I want to go down the regenerative trail now, right? Because you're dipping your toes in the regenerative ag, which is not the easiest trail to follow. <laughs> let's be honest, right? But there's also abundance of energy by it, you know, behind some certifiers trying to stay relevant. Yes, here comes the letters, kids. The value of, you know, regenerative to some people is no more than just checking a box on some paperwork, right? It's like, oh, it's a, it's a feel good, right? It's not that true value of what you're trying to create or get that conversation, so talk to me, if you wouldn't mind, first question I'm going to throw at you as we go down this trail is, is why does regenerative ag matter to the future of you all? Well, let's let's answer a couple of things about regenerative. So, go. so regenerative, you know, um, first of all, it's like, OK, why is regenerative even a conversation today? Um, yeah. You know, what is what is the point of this regenerative? And I I think you. Um, uh, you know the the climate change story that's a you know and and communication around what you know carbon sequestration is kind of a, a big part of what regenerative ag it's all it's all associated to soil health right you know how do we get more organic matter into the soil how do we you know how do we create a really healthy soil profile which honestly you know has been one of the main tenets of organic from the beginning I mean, that, that's, you know, if you're if you're not thinking about that from an organic perspective, well, then you're missing the boat. It's, it's an idea. You know. And so um, regenerative in in um, I see it as, OK, the, the basic tenets of regenerative farming are very much in line with a lot of the organic purposes and organic thoughts around soil health. There's some some different um, methodology or different, you know, ways of thinking about it that are being brought to the table that are very specific to regenerative, um, which is great. We love learning those things, right? Yeah. That's like, how do we continue to build soil health and how do we do that in a better way? Um, well, that's, that's, that's obviously the, the uh, uh, foundation of what we're doing, you know, from a, from a farm standpoint and what all that looks like. So that being able to, understand regenerative at that basic. The other thing that I think we have to understand is that, you know, when when um, organic first came out, they came out of really the produce industry, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it was fresh fruits and vegetables. That's where the, the, the beginning seeds of that took place. Um, regenerative is not starting there. Regenerative is starting in center store. Um, right. It's about the wheat. It's about the grains. It's about soybeans. It's about you know, those types of things where this this big regenerative conversation um, is really taking place at a, at a very macro level uh, currently. Um, when we looked at it, we go, we want more soil health. We want to improve the health of our soils in our in our fields. And you know what? We we were we're working with this and we're seeing some uh, some benefit to it from soil health. Um, and so that's been our main focus and how we've kind of walked down this path. Um, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of debate now is regenerative and organic are, the, you know, you can be regenerative, right, without being organic. Now, right. the other thing that's, I think, key to realize is that there is no um, federal certification or federal law regarding regenerative. So 
you can describe regenerative to be anything you want it to be. Um, you know, a guy could go out there and say, I'm regenerative, I'm farming regeneratively. Um, and two different people could say that, and it could be two different, totally different things. 100%. So there, that's some concern. That's, that's a lot of concern there. Um, like you said, there's a lot of certifiers that are starting to come out with regenerative programs. Um, uh, we, uh, on our stone fruit program uh, with uh, Vern Peterson, and, and uh, he's been working with that, and, and uh, we're certified through ROA, the Regenerative Organic Alliance. Um, and so uh, we have an ROC certification now in, in that program, and uh, we're, we're engaged in it and walking down that path. Um, I, I, there's a lot yet to be understood and, um, there's a, we're on the, the very, very, very beginning of what, um, what, what this is going to look like. Um, yeah. and, uh, um, so is it important to the future of, of homegrown, um, and what, what that is? Uh, I, I, I don't know that I can answer that yet. Um, I think, I think, we're, I think some of that story is still being written. Um, I think there's some really neat things about regenerative in regards to soil health that we are continuing to work with mm -hmm. um, uh, to improve soils um, and uh, and give honestly give a in the end give a better eating experience and better experience for the grower. Um, you know that's you know that's the foundation of you know how we're how we're working with it. Yeah. Well, I, what I love about the conversation goes back to what I'm going to going to continue to harp on is it was, it looks it, it helps drive the conversation around the value of food. But yeah. you know, regenerative is about principles, not necessarily practices. And to your point, you don't have to be organic to be regenerative. Um, it's not easy to do. It's certainly not easy to do in a row crop format. We got I know there's plenty of people trying. It is it's a challenge, right? But to your point, what is the learning that we take out of it? And I, and I look at this in a lot of ways, and I, I think about this when I think about even the CEA industry, ag tech industry today. You know, it's not so much what, it, it, obviously what they're doing today is important, but what they're doing today, five years from now, is what I'm really interested in. So when I think about what Regen is, you know, and, and I, I think that it's an important thing that we need to lead into. But what I'm afraid of, like a lot of things, I mean, local, sustainable, all natural, we start to greenwash these things. We start to green hush, greenwash. We start to water these things down to fit some narrative to check a box for somebody to feel good, to think that they're going to command a premium for somebody without even stepping up to the plate. Because, you know, as it scales, right, one of the things that I'm concerned about as it scales, because to your point, it's not really, there's not any kind of, you know, USDA is not involved, really. They're trying to get their arms wrapped around and maybe understand it. Who knows where they take this someday. But, you know, as it scales to include a wider variety of commodities, you know, do you think it's going to hurt the messaging of organics? If, you know, because again, it's a little bit of this greenwashing can happen, you know, creating maybe more consumer and retail confusion, or do you think it's going to help? I, it's one of our concerns. I mean, and that's part yeah. of the reason we jumped into it to help. I, we look at it as to help define it properly. Um, that you know, ROC and what they're doing, the re, the the Regenerative Organic Alliance, what they're doing is we want to support the things that we feel are helping to define it correctly. Yeah, um, and 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 not let it become some. Uh, greenwashed word that makes that has nothing behind it, um, and uh, so so that's I I think um, uh, if if we do that properly, it's like I look at it and go, well, how you know being regenerative but not being organic, I mean though I I think that's a hard one to separate. I, I mean it's it's um, 
you know, depends on how that certification is written and what that looks like, uh, you know, but mm -hmm. I, um, yeah, we, we, you know, I think part of us jumping into it and, you know, Vern Peterson wanting to jump into it was the fact, you know, let's help define this. Let's help, yeah. let's not just be someone that's sitting back going, this is no, no good. Um, but let's, let's get into the, uh, the conversation and, uh, really, um, uh, you know, per, support what we think is a good path forward. Thanks for joining the Toddversation. And now, a word from our sponsor. Splendid by Porvenir has long been recognized in the fruit and vegetable industry for its quality, volume, availability, and timely distribution. Did we mention that we have the best mangoes on the planet? Our decades of experience in providing a wide range of superior products throughout the year gives our customers and retailers alike confidence and splendid products to deliver excellence 100% of the time. When only the best should be on your table, trust Splendid's commitment to exceeding your expectations. We are the best because we do it right. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's, it, it, we can lean into climate smart too. It's like, I it's really easy to say climate smart. Oh, that feels really good. But what the hell does it actually mean? Yeah. Right. And, you know, anybody can be climate smart and you can, it, it's just because it's an undefined term. Right. And I think, again, go back to some of these things that are happening out there. I think we have to be really careful with that. So I love what you guys are about. I love the, the answer that you gave about, you know, I don't have the right answer yet, but you've got to get into the, to, into the fray and to raise the bar on how you present it to consumers, I think is going to be really, really important. You know, um, I get real concerned when I think about some of this movement. You know, one of the big things that I, I talk about is that my goal, I think, that I learned early on in this deal is like, how do we feed more people organic food, right? And so my goal for, the, for everybody and my goal for this industry is why can't you just feed the whole planet organic food? Yeah, it's a hell of a lofty goal, but I'd rather have a high lofty goal and keep striving every day than have a low goal and say, I got it, because then Somebody what do you bet. do, right? Yeah, Nothing's so, been accomplished that way. Yeah. And so when I look at some of the things we talk about with this regenerative climate smart, you know, it gets concerning because it almost we're getting a little tribal with some of this stuff. And I think that's where we start to get a little bit dangerous. Like, you know, a greenhouse isn't a good thing to have an organic world. OK, how are you going to come up with enough food for everybody? I get that. I, but no, I'm, I'm happy to hear your argument. But to me, what's the goal? The goal is to feed as many people as we can. And how do we how do we do that? How do we raise the bar on everybody that organic remains that gold standard that that is above regenerative in the sense of here's the gold standard that everybody needs to strive to. And same with climate smart, like organic is that gold standard. How do we strive to that gold standard? And I think we have to be really careful with that. I think we need to be thinking about how we grow our industry um, with, with more common sense than we did 35 years ago when we were flying by the seat of our pants. It's one of the regrets I have is that we didn't have a lot of common sense. We didn't have that moment of pause. I talk about it all the time with packaging. Like, boy, the organic industry screw the pooch on packaging, right? We all just said yes because we had no choice because we were desperate to find shelf space. Rather than say no, we're the alternative. Let those guys package it. Let us be let us be free out there yeah. on the shelf and let that consumer understand what it is. So I think it's really, mm -hmm. to me, um, an exciting time and exciting conversation. And I love the angle that you're taking. I hope more people more people get into the fray like you're doing. Because I think it's how we're going to find solutions that are going to drive value back in the food. So kudos to what you guys are doing. Don't stop. Stay in the fight. Yeah. Keep your keep your voice heard. Well, it's like you said, Todd. I, I think that it, what we learn today will is what's going to affect tomorrow, right? I mean, it, and if we just stay the way we're doing things and we don't change and we don't take the make the effort to to uh, uh, take the chance on something new or some, you know, we don't learn. 
and um, and so we have to stay in that. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, through this, we can again build value into the fruit, into the produce, um, so that people understand that what happens in that field, you know, and and what how that product is grown really does affect you. Yeah, um, and and it has uh, major impacts. Um, whether that's whether that's um, uh, yeah the soil the health of the earth soil health climate change all those different pieces that that you know there can be a lot of uh, conversations around well what you know um, uh, the 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 degree of how that affects people and what does that look like and there's a lot of opinions right in regards to all of that a lot of political views and all of that type of deal but the fact is. You, you, you just can't get around the, the fact that, that it does have an impact and that value of that fruit um, is based in how it's grown. Mm -hmm. It is based in what goes into bringing that fruit all the way to the shelf um, yep. and to the dinner table where someone can consume it and enjoy it. Um, and, and building out that value, like you said from the beginning, and I've always, I've always um, um, uh, I don't know, it, you know, you look at some of our export markets um, in in uh, Asia and in some of those areas that, you know, they they see fruit as something that's more than just a piece of fruit. Um, Correct. They, they, you know, they they really see it in a much more, um, you know, it's it's given as a gift a lot of times or those yeah. types of things. And not that we don't do that here, but um, it's it's we want to continue to raise the bar and raise the the the, the view of what of what that piece of fruit is. Mm -hmm. And um, I, you know, we're, we're all, uh, you know, we're on that path trying to do that. I mean, that's whether it's organic, whether that's regenerative, whether that's EFI, whether that's varietal development, sure. um, you know, it, all those different things play a part in that. And um, I, I hope that our, you know, I hope that we can continue to, to make that, that piece of fruit, something more um, uh, that's really uh, special in the consumer's eyes. I 100% agree. It goes back to everything we've talked about. It's about, you know, putting that value back in food and people recognize what went into that and, and what they're paying for. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think we go to the grocery store and think what we're paying for. We look at what we paid, but we don't think about what we're paying for. And again, cheap has a hidden cost. And I think we're seeing that so much today in this country. And that's why it's so important that companies like yourselves and others that are raising the bar on themselves. And, and quite frankly, you don't have to do it. Right. Right. You don't. It's a choice that you made to raise the bar. And I think, you know, I, and one of the reasons that I, I, I want to go down this trail with you is that I want people to recognize the fact that you didn't have to do it. You raised the bar. You put, you're taking the money out of your back pocket. You're laying it out on the table trying to make something work. But it's going to be incredibly important to us again next year, three years, five years from now, because it could change tremendously what it does to our climate, what it does to our health and everything else. You bet. Yeah. It's, talk to me a little bit about something I know is really important to you. And I threw this in when I was talking with you, but talk to me about how much faith plays into your business and why it matters to your growers and your team and your customers and stuff. Yeah, you bet. Well, we all have a, a foundation of why we do what we do, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, everyone has that. And, and uh, um, our, uh, the company, uh, the founders um, and, uh, uh, we're very much, uh, you know, strong, uh, had a strong faith and, you know, really abiding by principles set out in the Bible and, and set out in those types of um, foundations and built around. We have this little this little phrase in our mission statement. So our, our mission statement as a whole is is 
uh, to exceed our customers' expectations, provide the best money back to the grower, okay, and then display the love and grace of Jesus to all. So that love and grace, you know, I mean, when we always talk about this, when people come to work for us or that, that type of deal is that it doesn't, whatever you believe about Jesus, that's up to you. That's no, no big deal. But we do know that he laid down his life for others. He, he died, you know, was crucified for others. Well, that's a great example, right, of, of love and grace and uh, what that, um, you know, um, how you love people, how you, you sacrifice things for people, um, how you show grace uh, when, uh, when someone does something wrong to you. I mean, and it plays out in so many different ways. Um, and so we have that little phrase in there. So is faith, very important part of what our foundation of our company is. Um, uh, it's a, um, it flows through to our values. Um, we have a, a number of values. One is um, uh, to win as a team, uh, to be humble, um, to exceed expectations, um, and then we we have one to do the right thing, which we have this little phrase that uh, called no surprises. Um, and uh, it's we've used it. John France used this all the time when he was uh, part of the company and he would bring you in like when you first started working there. And he goes, you know, I'm a grower. I'm used to dealing with problems in the produce industry. I just don't like surprises. So yeah. if there's an issue, something's wrong, just come tell me. It's OK. You know, <laughs> and it's it's a great, it's such a great, it's transparency of communication. It's, it, you know, it's being integrity and all those types of things. But it's like, it's like, you know, if we've got a problem with, you know, the, the fruit that we brought in isn't working out properly, let's go talk to the grower. Let's not wait until we give him a check, you know, 60 days later, and it's totally different than what he thought it was going to be. Correct. It's just, that's just not good operating. So, yeah, no, hundred percent. Well, you know, and, and the reason I asked that question is, is something that that I believe in really strongly that we need to lead a lot more in this country, especially with love, and we need to come from a different place. We need to stop being angry about what we hear and start to appreciate what we hear for what it is. You don't have to agree with it, but if you come from a perspective of love, there's so many more things we can get worked out. We just don't need to be. Again, I go back to somewhat tribal that we are so much angry at other people that have opposing views and, and having a business that's run by faith is is uncomfortable for some people. It's 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 unco- you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of business don't want to talk about. It. Yeah. Um, and well, it's, it's, okay. it's like, yeah, it's like, what is love? Right. You know, yeah. I learned, love is kind. Love is humble. Love is not rude. You know, love thinks of others first. Let, yeah. You know, I mean, it's all those pieces that it's a it's a word that we 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 honestly overuse in our culture, right? You know, I mean, love is is used in so many ways in our culture, um, and in different in in different manners. So it, I I'm a sometimes it loses some of the the the, the importance of what that word is, mm-hmm. uh, but it's 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 foundation foundational to what we do. Um, and we constantly, every one of our meetings, we're we're talking about, you know, well, what, how does that play out in our work? How does that play it out in how we treat our customers, how we treat each other, how do we treat our growers? I mean, we're not perfect. We got our problems. Our warts are, you know, are pretty big sometimes. But uh, you know, you, you, you're trying. Well, but I, you know, I think, but I think when you lead like you lead, no matter what the situation, no matter what that path takes you down, you have, you know there's no situation you can't 
tackle together because you come, you start in the right place. You know, you don't start by kicking the door open and screaming at everybody. I mean, look, those moments can happen. I just, I was talking with somebody that talked about that exact thing about their business four generations in um, with their family business. And she, you know, she was sharing with me that we have a blowout in the office at one o'clock, you know, it's a, it's a yelling contest. And then an hour later, it's like, Hey, I'll see you at dinner at six. Right. Because they lead with love. And he goes, that's why we've lasted four generations. Yeah. Right. You have to separate that thing out. And then, and I appreciate you sharing so openly with that. I just think it's really important to talk about. I think it's really important that people recognize that love is all around us. It's what we all seek. It's an important part. And to your word, it, you know, it doesn't need to be, it, it, we need to value what that is too. Right. And how that drives into our business culture. And it, it's, it's super important to uplift people and to embrace people and to be the very best people we can possibly be. And I believe we start with love. You can solve a lot of problems. You bet, definitely. There's no doubt. So let's talk a little about what's next with you guys as we're kind of winding down, hanging out together. I mean, I know. Let's talk about this little HPF homegrown berry thingamabob you just decided <laughs> one day to go do. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, we've been busy. Um, but we've had uh, one of the things that we recognized a couple of years ago that um, as the organic space has become much more competitive. Um, you know, there's a lot of other um, grower marketers getting involved into the organic space and the items that we handle. Um, and, um, and it's been um, difficult where in the past a grower would come to us and say, hey, I want to transition to organic. We say, great. You know what? Stay with your marketer, um, con continue your transition. And then in a couple of years, when your transition, come to us and we'll market your fruit for you. Uh, well, that doesn't happen anymore because every marketer has an organic program. Um, and so that that's um, we recognize that we also um, some of the the uh, with some of our customer base, the struggle of logistics is bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, logistics is such a huge de decision making point for a lot of retailers today. Um, and with only being organic, um, that has been a, a, a bigger issue. Um, in that regard. Another point, um, and this will come back to the why the HBF deal, um, but another point is, is that it, um, our farming operation, AgriCare, and what we do as, a, as AgriVision as a whole, is we do have uh, quite a bit of conventional product that we, that we farm and, and handle um, and, and take care of. Um, and so um, in all of those cases, we looked at it and go, okay, um, we probably need to have some sort of engagement into the conventional market space um, in order to answer some of those questions just from a competitive standpoint. Sure. Um, and, and it provides a great on-ramp for additional organic acreage in the future, um, which would be very difficult to do with it without having some sort of an on-ramp there uh, for that. Um, so in all of those, you know, um, in the process, as we were talking with HBF and, and uh, you know, I've known Doug Perkins for a while and, and uh, we started working through things and, and um, it just came to a, a very clear, um, uh, uh, it, the picture became clear that, you know what, this would be really good to, to bring HBF into the homegrown organization and uh, make this a part of what we're doing. And what they bring to the table is a conventional blueberry program along with um, they do uh, some blackberries, raspberries, uh, currants, um, and uh, the kiwi berry. Uh, so um, one th neat thing about uh, there's uh, uh, some proprietary kiwi genetic kiwi berry genetics that are a part of uh, uh, Hearst 
And so that's uh, now going to be a part of what we're doing in the future. And we're, we're excited about doing that and also having some organic uh, program associated to that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we're, we're moving down that path and, uh, that's, love been it. A, yeah, it's been an exciting, uh, adventure and, and, uh, we're uh, getting ready to kick that off into the marketplace, um, starting in the domestic California blueberry season. So, uh, here coming up at the end of April, beginning of May. Yeah. Right around the corner. I super cool. I mean, you know, one thing I love is you don't sit still. <laughs> no. But, no. But, but but I love to see you not sitting still because I think you're out there, you know, as we've shared and we've talked about and from a very, you know, from, from a multiplicity of angles in this conversation, you guys growing, you guys continuing to be successful is such a positive light that we need out here in the industry. And it's such a great opportunity to, to you know, and I think you would probably be receptive to somebody picking up the phone and having a conversation with you about regenerative ag and the why to the point of your question, right? How do we find it? How do we set the bar? How do we, how do we come up with something that makes it better for everybody? And I think the fact that you lead that way, you lead with love, you have a, a team around you that is incredibly supportive of what you do, all the more reason to keep highlighting and, you know, continuing from the sidelines like I can do cheering for your success because, you know, we need, we need a lot more of you out there, brother. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate you hanging out. Anything else you want to say? Anything else exciting coming I didn't mention? I mean, anything, you know, for what's next? I mean, how the berry, after, no, you, got a, you got your plate pretty full of berry, deal. You don't want anything next for a couple of weeks, I'm guessing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, we're done right now. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we're, we'll, uh, you know, we need to, we need to do some implementation and, uh, yeah, but, um, you know, we're, we're thinking about things, but yeah, we've, we've got a lot of change happening right now. It's been, it's been good, but, uh, yeah, we're 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 going to get this season kicked off with the blueberries and go. I love it. Well, congratulations and continued success. And I, could, you know, I'm thrilled that we got to hang out, brother. I really appreciate you. No, good time and uh, appreciate it, Todd. Appreciate what you're doing with this. This is such a good, a good, uh, good thing for the industry. It's it's needed. Thank you, brother. I, I, I that means the world to me. It really, really does. I, I I enjoy this a lot. I love the conversations we're having. I love throwing things out for people to think about. I love the emails I get back asking questions or wanting to be engaged or meet somebody that I talk to. I'm just, I'm so receptive to that. I'm so open to these conversations because it's how we're going to change and win the day. We can't let the loudest voices, you know, we, you can't let the 10% shout over the other 90, The 90% of us need to stand up and we need to come together and we need to lead with love and we need to make changes to our food system. They're going to be impactful, not just, you know, enough to check a box or make people feel good. It's how we're going to win the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So thanks for being here, brother. You're welcome back, by the way. You know that open invitation and and sushi, Porterville, road trip. Oh, there we go. I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> I appreciate you, brother. Everybody, thanks so much for listening and being a part of this today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Scott Mabs, he's the real deal, kids. He really is. Reach out to him. Talk to him. Have questions. Go through it. Let's go through the motions and see how we win the day as an industry and come together and raise the bar on ourselves, which raises the bar on everybody else. That's where we win. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of it. Don't forget to check us out on social media, TLC underscore Todd Scott, you know why I'm on social media? Why? Two reasons. I have two reasons today. One of which I'm really concerned about Tiger Woods' love life. And two, I like to see Dave Chappelle piss people off. I find that to be incredibly entertaining. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't care about social media. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for being here. We appreciate you. Much love to you. Remember, go inspire somebody today. It's incredibly important. It'll absolutely make your day so much better and somebody else's. So thanks for being here. We'll see you soon. Take care.